0: Yeah, you can get it. You can actually get a copy, and you can also go on to by the end of the week. You can go on to SoundCloud.com. Just type in hachaim and you'll actually pull up out of the eighty-four lectures. SoundCloud. It's just a website which uploads the stuff. And if you want the notes, I can give you these personal notes here before I leave. But that's only one. But if you give me your email, I actually email out my stuff. I email out the link to the audio and to the written. And before you start, you asked me, and I said I'm going to get back to you. You asked me for an example of something. What was it? with my children with my children the kid that just like me my little chachmalach doesn't work because they think the same way i think the kids that are like my spouse little khakhmlakh will work so for example with one child who's not like me if they're in pain i need to talk to them in one way i need to use more wit understanding what they mean when they say that. With a child that's like me, I don't have to worry about that. You know, one of the biggest issues there is between spouses is when you say something to your husband, your husband's going to think to himself what he would mean when he said that, projected onto you, you never meant that. You lashed out, but for you that's normal. I'm not not saying you, you. Your husband, for him to lash out means that he was so hurt and so offended So he's trying to picture what you meant when you said that through his own point of reference and that causes a lot of anguish between spouses. It works the same way with the kid. When you're reading into your kid who's not like you and now it's a match of will, oh yeah? The kid is like you, you shouldn't be going, the kid is not like you, you shouldn't be going, oh yeah? Because they think differently, so it's more the wit. It's more trying to figure out what is this kid meaning, what is this kid saying? It's a whole different process. The kid who thinks like you, the kid who feels like you, the kid who reacts like you, it isn't the wit issue. It's the matter of will. It's bringing them to your side of the table because you understand them and you feel them. Am I making sense to you? Yeah. It's a total different process. Go ahead. Yeah. very very true very 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 true very true and thank you for bringing they that up have a bit of but not you. correct not that that is actually brilliant and thank you for bringing that up i actually had that discussion with on very much so just because your child is like you remember something very important your child does not have the type of appearance you have your child is not in the same environment you have So even though your child is just like you, your child's destiny is very different than you. So you got to be very careful in not projecting yourself onto the child and allow the child to be their own selves. Very, very true. But nevertheless, you probably have a feeling which kid thinks like you, reacts like you, has the same type, type, personality type like you and which is like your spouse. What I tried to share with you today was that the most important element that's missing, at least from my experience when I do counseling, the most important element is that you're trying to open them up before you've planted a foundation of trust. Don't expect them to open up to you before you've earned their trust. That's what today was all about. With that being said, I cannot tell you how many times I've made parents or children promise me that they're going to go with their parent or with their child to Starbucks. I am a big fan. I do that with my kids. Uh, there are some people here from the school so I shouldn't really say this publicly, but I am a parent who will take my kid out of school one day and say, "Kiddo, you come with me today." I'm very much into that. If you don't build safe environments where your kid and you exist alone, no siblings, no spouse, nothing, no cell phone, then it's very hard for them to open up. It's amazing when you take your kid out of school, especially if you're a parent that lets your kid know how important school is. So the first thing that happened when I did that to one of my daughters was, what did I do wrong? (laughs) Really, that was the first thing. And then when we sat down and I asked them, is that your attitude, that if I talk to you, it means you did something wrong? And then we had this whole conversation. But I'm a big fan, and I will ask all you mothers to do that. Make time to take your kids one by one to Starbucks. Not at home, not at home. Go to Starbucks and have a talk with your kid do not have an agenda other than I want to talk to my kid. Your child will become very quickly adapted to that when my father or my mother goes out with me to Starbucks, it's not because they want to tell me something, it's because they want to hear from me something. So number one, lay down your foundation. Don't think that your kids trust you just because you wash their laundry, take care of them when they have a fever, uh, they're cleaning up their throw up, no. No, unfortunately, Fiddle on the Roof doesn't really work. The man's still going to ask, do you love me? But with that being said, go lay down the foundation, let your kids know the three steps that we spoke about, and then take your kids out to Starbucks. Take your kid out to Starbucks, just you and the kid. And unfortunately, I'm going to say this to you, shut off the cell phone when you go to Starbucks. Just do it, because it's not fair for your kid. Imagine how you feel. You went out with your husband to eat, and he got an important text. And there went your whole evening. The kids feel the same. Go ahead. What do you do when your child comes over to you and asks you, did you ever dot dot dot? So full disclosure, I don't know if it's the best idea. Maybe you want to share that you struggled with something, but if it's something that you actually caved into as a teenager, do you want to open the, the gates for your child to do the same thing? Okay. Are you do you want to give them permission? I mean that's Number one, number one, I wanna share with you something. Do not disclose to your kids more than they can presently handle. Which by the way, I told you when my kid told me that he knows about the bees and the birds, and I went over to speak, I spoke to two people then. I spoke to my rabbi, I spoke to a child psychologist from two different worlds and they both gave me the same answer. Don't give new information, just straighten out the information they have. So no, I'm not telling you that you have to tell your kids of all the times and all the things, no. But because the way you asked your question, I'm going to take issue with you on another topic. Trust your kid. Trust your kid. Do you know the only way in the world to create a responsible child? The only way in the world is by giving them responsibilities. Stop thinking that if I share with my kid a little detail, oh, mommy did it, I'm going to do it. Trust your kid. Do it, obviously, with brains right? On the first date, you don't uh, open up everything. Work it, work it, work it. Your kid's going to be the same way with you. They're not going to tell you their darkest secrets. They're going to start with little things, testing you out. Do the same thing with your child. Work with intellect, but don't take the attitude that I can't trust my kid because they're going to abuse and use the information against me. They may, but if you don't trust your child, you'll never create a responsible child. So wisely so, as we say in Chassidus, a knowing heart, knowing heart, heart, but knowing. Would a knowing heart approach the issue with your kid? Which brings me to the second question. What happens if they have done something to break your trust in a certain thing? How do you rebuild it? Like if, if there's a certain rule in the house, you can't do this and this and this, and you, and, and you find out that he has been attempting to do it behind your back. Okay two-step answer. Number one, don't be a drama queen. Don't make little issues into big issues because it's not about the issue. issues. It's I told you no and you... Take it easy. Let's put things in perspective. What did he or she do? Is it the end of the world? Not everything is about I said no and you didn't listen. Put things in perspective. That's number one. Number two, be very open with your child. I have um, one of my kids, you know, is challenged with saying the truth. And I told him, if you lie to me, then I can't trust you even when you say the truth. Please, tell me the truth. We'll deal with it. But if you lie to me, don't. I want to tell you something else I tell my kids. I'm telling you all my private conversation. My kids, listen to this, I'm dead. I want to tell you something else I told my kid. I actually mentioned this Mother's so I can mention it here. I told my kid that God gave me this amazing gift of being your parent. And if you don't, Tell me what's going on with you. I can't be your parent. So tell me, I may blow my top, I'll get over it, and then we'll work on it. So have those conversations with your kids. Have them. Don't dramatize it. It's not about you. Remember, rule number one, it's gotta be about the kid. It's not about I said and how dare you. We did it to our parents. They're gonna do it to us. Their kids are gonna do it to them. Put things in perspective. Give things the appropriate value. Don't blow things out of proportion. And then number two, let your kid know. Let your kid know that you've really, I'm challenged in trusting you with this, so now let's work on this. So on one hand, you gotta tell them both. Number one, I don't trust you because of what you did. Number two, you can re-earn my trust. Let's work on this. Because if all your kid hears, mommy doesn't trust me, then it's learned helplessness. There's nothing I can do about it, so forget it. But if you let them know this is where you are and this is where you could get let's work on it. We're dealing with our kids. Anyone else? Sorry, going back to the question of You're next, I'm sorry. <laughs> Good. <ahead. laughs> <laughs> I I still didn't get closure for that. Um, could you give a concrete example I understand that I'll tell you what I'll tell you what let me let me let me be more realistic and more practical and more sharing with you okay because I uh, my kids get to listen to this so maybe I'm being a little uh, controlled imagine this is already called controlled but all right let me share with you something I don't know you you have a child that when they do something wrong you feel hopeless you are just like what do I do with this kid what do I do with this kid That's called a battle of will. Then you have another kid that does something wrong. The same exact thing. You don't feel hopeless. You know that you know how to deal with this child. That's a battle of wit. Hmm. Are we being clear now what the difference is? The child that you feel hopeless about is because your wit won't help you. That is a chip off the old block. Thinks like you, talks like you, is one step ahead of you. The one that you know don't worry i can deal with this kid she'll say i'll say well this we'll work it out that's the wit the challenge on the table is the battle of will very often what we do is especially you amazing women wait till tati comes home <laughs> 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 that's it
1: so how
0: do you deal with that child how do you, deal with the child? How do you deal Let me share with you something, just to put things in a different paradigm. The child that you feel like that about is the child that will be your biggest source of naches if you can connect. Because you think alike, you feel alike. You guys can finish each other's sentences. So just the mere fact that you know that, it's worth all the effort. When that child is on the other side, it's hell. It's hopelessness. I don't know what's going to happen with this kid. I'm pulling my hair out of my head. I'm turning gray. I'm having cardiac arrest. But just think what happens in those golden moments with that child. So that child is worth all the effort. Now let's talk about your question. How do you deal with that child? I will tell you something I learned from my kids when they were babies. Okay, I'll tell you another secret. (laughs) I used to study horseback riding. You should study horseback riding. They taught me something most amazing about horseback riding. My trainer. Told me like this. Never give a command to your horse with emotions. The horse senses your emotion and it knows it won. Did you hear me? Never give a command. It's not like pull the ropes, kick the horse, you stupid beast. No. Plots inside, but... That's the way you need to deal with your child of will. You see, with your child of wit, you're always trying to say something different. With your child of will, do not change your words. Say it again and again. Honey, sweetheart, we can't leave until you pick that up. Sweetie, we can't leave until you pick that up. Don't give different words. It's the same word. Remember, it's not a battle of wit. You're not trying to get through to the kid. The kid knows exactly what you want. It's a battle of will have that look in your eyes and smoke, you lost. <laughs> Even if you won, you lost. Because your kid knows, I got to her. Look at her now. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, we all notice, right? We're all parents. Just calm. Later, go into the bathroom and cry your eyes out. But in front of the kid, sweetie, we really we have to go. you got to pick that up. That's an amazing way to deal with a child of will. You have no other choice. It's either that or die young. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. I want to ask you about creating space. I'm not sure how old your oldest children are, your teenagers are. 17, 15. <laughs> okay, so um, teenagers need space. If you try too hard with teenagers, that's the first way that you really can push them away. Yeah. Every teenager thinks their mother is so annoying and whatever, come on, mom, like, ah, not now, you know. And so I'm just wondering, like, how do you feel about creating that safe space? We, talk, we always talk about getting close, but yeah. we have to remember that kids also need their space. There's something interesting with my kid. Again, my point of reference. I shared before, I don't know when you walked in, I shared before that uh, ever since my kids left home, my two older ones, I visit them once a month, it's a huge challenge going on now. My oldest son was in Israel, I can't visit him once a month, and he's like, when are you coming? Yada yada. So I want to share with you something that I think in images, for the good and for the bad. The one thing I realized at a certain age was, when am I going to cut the umbilical cord? Because I created a very strong umbilical cord between me and my kids. Now the question was, when do I cut the umbilical cord? So the same umbilical cord which gives your kids life can also end up strangling your kid. I will tell you in most honesty, there comes a point when you're visiting your kids, remember rule number one, it's all about your kids? Sometimes my closeness with my kids is more about me than about my kids. Oh, how is my kid going to handle leaving home? (laughs) He's on the plane, he forgot you. (laughs) And you're crying your eyes out, you're sleeping in his bed for the next two weeks. You know, that's the way it works. If you can be honest and conscious with yourself about when is it about my kid and when is it about me. And when it's about me, remember that you're bordering suffocating your kid. When it's about your kid, it's nourishment. When it's about me, it's suffocation and then little by little you start trusting your kids with the easier stuff my kids calling me ask me advice and I say Mandela you can handle this just go ahead and make your decision it's okay I trust you those words I trust you is very powerful And you keep on doing that and then you get the bigger stuff and then you get the bigger stuff and all of a sudden the kid really gets it my father trusts me because I earned his trust so it is a very iffy thing but I would just tell you the way I see it in my relationship with my kids It boils down to that same question is this about me or is this about him if it's about him it's nurturing if it's about me it's suffocation and that's how I try to draw the line and it's not easy it's not easy a parent has the hardest job in the world you know why the entire job of a parent is to make his position unnecessary that's not easy especially when you live your life to be close to your kids I thank God don't work in a school, but I want to tell you what I foresee schools having to do now, <clears throat> and schools have never done it. In, when I was a kid in kindergarten, I had a teacher that did, should have been set to pasture ten years prior, but that's the truth, that, that's the truth. But I want to tell you what's happening right now. I had the amazing experience of going to all my kids PTA to meet with teachers. The conversation between two different teachers, I'm not mentioning names. Was unbelievable one teacher I was just awed. she's got the smart board she's talking about this new way of teaching different groups within a classroom and then there's another teacher who doesn't know how to use the smart board it's and I don't want to use these words but I'm gonna use it anyway you can't teach an old horse new tricks schools are gonna have no choice but to start weeding out the teachers that don't belong there I'm just telling you a fact. I would love to say that teachers are great. Parents are usually to blame for the type of, type of teachers we have. Because if our attitude is that teachers is a job for anyone who can't get a real job, so you can imagine that the highly talented are not going into teaching, and that's a shame. Their paychecks are way too low. It's wrong. We should be raising their paychecks. We should be supportive of them. In schools, they should have a special seat. This is a teacher. Every Shabbos in you in school, you take your kid to the teacher, say good Shabbos. I do it with my kids. My my, my Rosh Shiva, Rabbi Israel Friedman. Every time I'm in New York with my kids and they see I see him walking, my kids go over to him. one of my kids, he, he my, my one of my girls, he wouldn't shake the hand, but he shook the boy's hand and she looked at him and he looked at me and says, You'll explain it to her. I said, No problem. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a picture. This is my Rosh Shiva. He has my respect. So I'm not pointing the finger at the teachers. But bottom line, we have absolutely no weeding out process for teachers. We have no choice but to come across a teacher who should not be teaching, who picked on your child, and you're going to have to back your child. But do it smartly. Don't back your child and they're stuck in learned hopelessness. Do back your child the wrong way and you've destroyed a future of authoritative system. Do it smartly. Let your kid know, welcome to the real world. You're sometimes in a position that's not fair, and how are you going to deal with it? I tried to do that with my kid. Kid, you're right, the teacher's wrong, but we have a little problem. He's the boss, and you're not. And then we started talking about the be smart and don't be right. And we started talking about it. Opened up a beautiful conversation in itself. So I'm just sharing with you, we don't have the luxury of following the teacher is always right. Because sometimes the teacher is wrong. I have my kids that have a whole joke about a certain individual that when they have bought lunches, this teacher, if the kid has their own lunch, they didn't know, takes away the kid's bought lunch. And I don't have to tell you why. It's not to feed the poor. So what am I supposed to do? No, you're kidding. <laughs> no. Uh, how do you, that? you just deal with the reality of the situation. Away, away kid snack cuz eating it and it's in, in the garbage and it's so against everything that we so how do you, do you if it was your kid moved do you really get involved do you just sit back and if go? it was my by the way by the way do you know what the biggest problem with the hand sanitizing things are you know those hand sanitizing yeah. things the biggest problem is is denying your body to build antibodies okay. do not do that to your kids. your kid needs to build antibodies to such situations don't save your kid every time You're going to create an S-Rig that's not going to be able to deal with reality. But with that being the case, would I deal with my child in such a case where there's two wrongs, the kid did something wrong, the teacher did something wrong, I'll focus on what the kid did wrong, but you did do this wrong, right? You shouldn't have done it. So maybe the teacher reacted in a way that you wouldn't have liked, but let's focus on what you did. That's what I would do. It puts the kid in power. This is what you can do to change the situation. Go ahead. Go ahead. I make it very simple. I was with my kids very clear. There's no touching you in any form or shape. I also taught my kids something else, which helps. If a teacher or a dorm counselor or a shliach, an alter, puts their hand on you, not inappropriately, on your shoulder, and you just don't feel right about it, trust your feeling. And my kids come back and tell me, Now, I don't tell my kid the worst thing. Oh, don't make a big thing out of it. Good for you. You just felt uncomfortable with it, trust your feeling. Don't call 911, but just make sure that that guy never touches you again. I'm not talking about inappropriately. I'm talking about seemingly appropriately. If you don't feel right, then don't do it. That's how I teach my kids. And it's helped them because, you know, unfortunately, we can't deny what's going on out there. Guys, thank you very much for the opportunity.